Good evening. It's, uh, it's great to be able to say that. <laughs> Slightly a little bit weird, but great nevertheless. Good evening. <laughs> My name's Simon Woodward, one of the leaders here. And, and often with some of the other guys, um, I'm out preaching of a Sunday night. There's a couple of us that do that. But there's something special about doing it in your own church. And I'm really excited and expectant as to what God is going to do here this evening. And I want to start by praying. It seems as if we've been praying lots, but it's the best place to start. And it's always great to pray. So I want to pray again. Father God, you've already been speaking to us. Lord Jesus, and as I pray, I pray now as I share your words, you would continue to speak to us. Father God, these words are your words. I pray that you would use them, Lord, as I've prepared them. Father God, I pray you will speak through me, Lord, to your people. Lord Jesus, continue to speak. Lord, you are speaking right now to certain individuals. Lord, speak to us now as I pray. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, extreme. We're in the series at the moment. And... uh, and if you've missed the first two weeks, I really want really to encourage you to get the podcasts. Um, you can get them from, the, from our website. The, the, today's one will be available tomorrow. Uh, and Leon's done a, an amazing job there. Uh, and it's like I say, I really want to encourage you to get, to, to, to get them. Uh, and this evening, I'm continuing with that. And I want to take you on a journey. I really want us to grapple with the word extreme. And how that looks in our life. You see, it can mean something very good. But it can also mean something very bad. And then I want to look at the reason why. The reason why you want to be extreme in your life. You see, extreme. Extreme is taking something to its furthest point. It's pushing it to the limit. It's so much better than good. In fact, it's not settling for good. You put the word good and extreme together and they don't compare, do they? Extreme is mega. It's off the charts. It demands respect. Good is just, well, good. (laughs) And secretly, we all want to be that little extreme, don't we? Or we want to be known for doing something extreme. Or we would like to watch something extreme. And here, you might say, no, Simon, that's not for me. Well, I want to remind you of two weeks ago when a certain member of staff encouraged you to tweet to Facebook, Leon, and entice him to do a bungee jump. Most of you jumped, pardon the pun there, but most of you jumped on that. Like, no, tomorrow, you did that. You were Facebooking, you were tweeting him. (laughs) And actually, some of you took that even further, took it to the extreme and suggested a parachute jump. (laughs) Wow, that's brilliant. And some of you, we want to do that, and that's fantastic. And Leon, it's not too late, mate. You can still (laughs) do that bungee jump. (laughs) You see, it's in us, isn't it? We may want to be that little extreme. And granted here, adrenaline, the adrenaline side might not be your thing, but it's not the only thing. Who would like to be known here for their extreme faith? We heard that a bit this morning. And we're reminded of this in the Gospels when the Roman officer, whose servants were sick and close to death, asked Jesus to heal him. 
Jesus was willing to go to his home to do that. But then the officer, the officer said, just say the word from where you are, and I know it will be done. That's extreme faith. Then there's the four friends. The four friends who carried a paralyzed man on a mat to where Jesus was preaching. That's expectancy right there. You see, they wouldn't have done that for no reason at all. They're already confident. They're expectant. They know that if they can just get this guy to Jesus, then their friend would be healed. And then they take this further. When they realize that they can't get close to Jesus, they climb on a roof. (laughs) They climb on a roof and they lower him down. That's extreme to everyone who was there and witnessed that. Then Leon shared this morning that the prayers we pray can lead us to have an extreme faith. The dangerous prayers we pray can lead us to that extreme faith. Who wants that? I do. Who also would like to be known for their extreme generosity, their extreme giving, their extreme loving, and their extreme kindness. They're all great things to be known for, but the likelihood is that they're not just going to happen. You see, these kinds of extremes are not in a moment. They're in a lifestyle. They're not in a moment. They're in a lifestyle. It's something you do consistently. You see, anyone can help a stranger in need, a neighbor, a friend, a loved one. Anyone can do that. And you've probably done it once, twice, maybe more than that. And I'm not taking anything away from that. That's huge and that's amazing. But is it extreme? Is it extreme? You see, extreme is pushing it further. It's taking it to the limit. And are we doing that? Are we doing that? It's something that doesn't just happen. It's something that we have to practice Something that we purposely, consistently have to do over a period of time. Some of the extremes we like in the world are moments. They're there to give you that rush, that instant gratification. Maybe even the feeling of just being alive. (laughs) But as quick as they come, they go. And then you're left looking for the next extreme thing you can do. I've been there and I've had the t-shirt, but thankfully God's grace and love has set me free from that. But it's something you see all over our world. Before I was a Christian, (laughs) this is going to sound really silly, but I'm going to say it nevertheless. (laughs) Before I was a Christian, I was petrified of roller coasters (laughs) and I'm still quite scared of heights. I could beat up people take all sorts of drugs and alcohol and push that to the extreme, but I couldn't manage a ride on a roller coaster. (laughs) That may sound funny, but when I became a Christian, one of the first things I did was go on a roller coaster. (laughs) I'm not saying I loved it, but something within me changed. I wasn't fearful anymore, and if anything did happen whilst I was on that ride... I knew I was going to heaven. (laughs) I was a new Christian and loads of stuff was happening within me. Leon shared about that this morning. 
And that's what happens when we first become Christians. When we first come to know God, God, we're really aware and sensitive to what he's saying. And then there's no objection on our part when he asks from us. We're bold enough to do. We're bold enough to do it, whatever that it may be. It's in us. We're brave. We'll do it because we've got that relationship. It's new, exciting. But God's done something in that moment. And I don't think, again, as Leon shared a little bit this morning, I don't think that ever changes. We do. And the more I think about it, I don't think that God asks us to be extreme. He asks us to be consistent. I don't think God wants just moments. Sure, there will be those moments, and they'll be amazing. But more importantly, he wants your lifetime. He wants to use you consistently. And you see, that's what really is extreme. (laughs) Looking back over a lifetime, when you've seen God at work, doing things in your life that you'd never dream possible, that's extreme. And that's amazing, isn't it? It's living a lifetime of consistently following God and letting God work through your life. And all that starts and ends with you, with me. It's not being extreme for God. It's being extreme with God. You see, sometimes in your own strength, our extreme ideas are stupid ones. (laughs) They're just plain stupid. Why don't you watch the screens? That's great, isn't it? And I apologize if you've seen that before, but that is so funny. That's taking things to the extreme. And there's a backstory behind that. He does have a paintbrush. But like many of us DIY experts, we've left it, we've not rinsed it, and it's rock solid. So he taps it on the thing, and the whole paintbrush just falls to pieces. So you may know then he has a teddy. He tries to stick that on the end of a paintbrush, and he starts painting. So there's a series of a whole extreme ideas there going on, and that is, is the result of it. It's crazy. <laughs> but we can all have them, can't we? And sometimes they're there all the time. And I've had to say to people, um, when they've come to me with these extreme ideas, and here's just one of them I can remember. It's not any of you, so don't be alarmed now. You can breathe safely. <laughs> they've said, I'm not going to eat for a week. I'm dieting, and I want to lose weight. You see, I think they're being extreme there, but actually they're being stupid. <laughs> a whole week without food is not good for you. And actually, you could be setting yourself up to fail. It may not happen. Not everything, just because it's extreme, is good for you. And God is not going to do or let you do anything extreme. That is stupid. Where you're going to fail. So, how do we live a life that is extreme for God without being stupid? (laughs) And I hope you hear what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that you'll never make mistakes. I'm not saying that it'll never be messy. And I'm not saying that you'll never be embarrassed. All those things again, Leon mentioned this morning. He must have looked at my notes or something. (laughs) But if you were here, embarrassment and stupidity are two totally different things. I want you to know it's not God's intention to make you look stupid. 
So how do we do it? Well, I want to suggest it's by what we do often. And it's where I want to start. I want to ask you the question, what do you do often? You see, what we do often, often shapes us. Doing something often means we're usually good at it, that it's routine, that it becomes second nature. It's because we do it often. So I want you to shout out. You tell me some of the things you do often. And actually looking around the room, I can tell you guys, I can tell you what you do often because I know that. But shout some things out. What do we do often in our everyday life? DIY. Ah, yes, right. <laughs> Eat. That's a good one. Text. To your mom and dad's uh, disagreement there. That's It's <laughs> good. Chop, that's another one. Pray, Mike, spiritual there, pray, that's good. I was waiting for him to read the Bible. and What else do we do often? Gym, yeah, hobbies, they're a great one. Some of you play football, some of you play badminton, regular, and, and are quite good at it. You see, I did Taekwondo for 17 years and became good at it. I often train to four to five hours a day. And it's amazing how you find the time for that when it's something you enjoy and want to do. And the the more often you do it, the better you become at it. I did it often. I wanted to do it often. I wanted to become good at it. And right now in the Bible, I want to show you what Jesus does often. And it's in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. If you have a Bible, it's Luke 5. 15 to 16. And this is the new King's James version, version. And this is just after Jesus has healed a man of leprosy and he's called his first disciples. It says this, verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him. This is Jesus all the more. And great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him, Jesus, of their infirmities. Verse 16. So he himself... Jesus again, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. This one verse of scripture is so powerful. It really stood out to me and hit me like a brick. And Luke thinks so, and that's why it's included here. You see, this is not narrative. This is huge insight. This is Jesus living on the inside. This is Jesus being extreme. You see, when we think of Jesus, we think what he did. And that's right. We think of the miracles. We may think of the amazing sermons that he preached. We may think of the healings, all as being extreme. But here Luke makes a point, an important point for me. It's what Jesus did often. And that was to spend time with God, that he withdrew that he withdrew from everything to spend time with God. And it's something Jesus did consistently. You see, the Bible, the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus walked on water often. <laughs> he fed the thousands often. He raised the dead often. They are extreme moments 
No one can argue with that. And he did do some of those things many times. But what the Bible does tell us is that Jesus drew often. He withdrew often to pray. You see here, it's about a lifestyle, not a moment. And Jesus knew the importance of getting that right. It's something Jesus did consistently. And we have to do the same. We have to do the same. If we want our life that's extreme with God, we have to spend time with him for that to happen. And again, for me, it's more than a moment. It's more than a moment of our time. It's actually all of our time. (laughs) It's a lifetime devoted to Christ. It's more than your everyday Jesus or your word for today moment. Great as they are. But if you want extreme, if you want to push it to the limit, to make it really count, it's giving of yourself. Everything you have to offer. Every second of every minute of every day for the rest of your life. And you may think that's too extreme. But I believe this is the extreme that God really is after. And I want to encourage you that you can do it. You see, it starts from doing things often. You see, what you do often, you become good at. And you will find the time for it. (laughs) If it's important enough for you, you will find the time for it. And there may be some things that you have to stop doing often. (laughs) So you can start doing some things often. And this is to pray more. To pray those dangerous prayers more. (laughs) To read your Bible more. To listen more. To step out more. To act on what God is saying. Because I want to encourage you. The more often you listen, then the more often God will speak to you. And then the more often you can act on that. (laughs) There's an amazing quote by Mother Teresa. A news reporter once asked Mother Teresa... Um, sorry, a news reporter once asked Mother Teresa what she said to God when she prayed. This is what she replied. I don't say anything. I just listen. (laughs) So the reporter asked what God said to Mother Teresa. And again, she responded, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. Think about that for a moment. Mother Teresa prays. And she doesn't say anything. And then the reporter asks, what does God say to you? And she responded, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? See, the more often you spend time with God, the more often you can do just that. You can just rest there in his presence, not having to say a word. That really is being in tune with God, isn't it? That's a moment I want, don't you? And Mother Teresa lived that extreme life. She lived an extreme life. But again, it came to what she did often, what she did consistently, that was spending time with God. As well as what you do often, it's what you do with your life. You see, have you given every part of it to God so that he can use it? Or are you holding something back? God will only use 
what he's given. God will only use what he's given. He will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do. And God lets you decide how much you want him to use you. God lets you decide how much he wants you to use you. That's incredible, isn't it? You have that decision. You have that choice. That's down to you. It's not dependent on anything or anyone else. It's down to you. And that's why I don't think we have to be extreme for God, but we be extreme with God. You see, he doesn't just want those moments. He wants a lifetime, a lifetime spent with him. In fact, he wants more than that. He wants you to hand your life, every single part of it, over to him. And when you do that, that's when I believe you will see Start to see the extreme things, the good and the amazing extreme things that God has got for you. You see, it's happened to me. (laughs) When I became a Christian some time ago now, through extreme circumstances, I prayed a dangerous prayer. I prayed that like Leon shared this morning. And it was to give my whole life to Jesus, every single part of it. And I would do that. I said to Jesus, I would do that. Take my life. Use every single part of it to reach others. And I remember praying that if it was just one life, if one life could be changed as a result of mine, then it would be worth it. (laughs) And this happened. And I was amazed. So guess what? I had to change my prayer. (laughs) I wasn't happy with that. You see, when I got my answer... I knew I needed to change it. But how many of us, when we get that answer from God, leave it there? We stop there. We think we've got our answer. It's time to move on. But that's not extreme. That's not extreme. God's got so much in store for you. But that's down to you. When you get your answer, enlarge it. Extreme it. Ask for more. God's not finished with you yet. Give every part of your life to God and he will show you what extreme really is. (laughs) I want to finish with a story. It's quite a long story, so bear with me. (laughs) But it's a story that I heard a a while back. And this is about giving every single part of your life to God. There was a guy and he lived in a huge mansion and he lived alone. And one night, there was a knock on the door. So he opened the door. And standing there in front of him was Jesus. And this guy was amazed. He's like, Jesus, coming in. I'll give you food. Uh, You can have my best room uh, upstairs. It's it's en suite. It's got satellite TV. It's got satellite TV. Was it around then? It's got everything you wish to desire. You'll be really comfortable. And Jesus said, thank you, and took the room. That night, they went off to bed to sleep. And then there was another knock on the door. And the guy opened it in the middle of the night. And there, standing in front of him, standing in front of him was Satan. And the guy was petrified. He didn't invite him in, but Satan burst through 
and he trashed the place. His whole house was trashed. Four bedrooms upstairs and a hole downstairs. The guy didn't sleep one bit. Next morning, Jesus comes down the stairs with a huge smile on his face. And this guy is in despair. He says, Jesus, Jesus, didn't you hear what was going on last night? Couldn't you hear all the commotion? Satan was here. He was attacking me. And Jesus says, no, I slept peacefully. And the guy couldn't understand this. But then he thought, one bedroom. Didn't say, Satan didn't go in there. So he had a brainwave. He said, I'll give you Jesus tonight. You can have the next bedroom to it. Take the two rooms. Be even more comfortable. So Jesus did that. And then that night again, as he went off to bed, there was another knock on the door. And as the guy opened the door, again, it was Satan. No invite. He came rushing through and trashed the hole downstairs. And then the three bedrooms upstairs. And again, the man was in turmoil, utter despair. That morning, Jesus again walks down the stairs. Big smile on his face. Happy. Lots of peace. And the guy's distraught. He goes, Jesus, again, didn't you hear what happened last night? Satan was here again. Surely you must have heard him. And Jesus said, no, I slept peacefully. One of the best nights sleep I ever had. And again, the guy, he couldn't understand it. He just knew the two bedrooms Jesus was in. Satan wasn't there. So he had another bright idea. He gave him the third bedroom. And again, that night, there was a knock on the door. I'll speed it up a bit. There was a knock on the door. <laughs> You'll miss Downton Abbey. There was, a, there, was a, there was a knock on the door. And you can guess who it was. It was Satan. Again, no invite. He came barging through. He trashed the upstairs and the remaining bedrooms and the hall downstairs. Again, that morning, Jesus came down peacefully as ever. Massive smile on his face. And the guy, this time, he'd lost it. He was, Jesus, you surely must have heard what's going on last night. The Satan trashed the place. What were you doing? And Jesus said, I slept peacefully. So the guy said, Jesus, you can have whole of my top bedrooms. You can have everything there. And actually now, you can have the whole downstairs. It's yours. And Jesus says, thank you, my son. That's what I was waiting for. It's the invitation I was wanting. He goes, now I'll take your house, but I'll invite you to come and live with me. I will do it with you. And the guy was, thank you, Jesus, this is yours. Then that night, there's a knock on the door and the guy is petrified. He goes to answer the door, but then Jesus steps in and he says, no, this is no longer your house. It's mine. I'll answer the door. And Jesus doesn't answer the door timidly. He goes there bold and he opens the door, throws it open. And there Satan is standing in front of him. And Satan, he looks at Jesus and then he looks at the house number. <laughs> and then he looks at Jesus and he looks at the house number. And again, he can't fathom it out. He looks at Jesus and he looks at the house number. And then he says, sorry, my Lord, I have the wrong address. And he goes away. 
What an incredible story. And if the bad band would like to come up, I want to explain that to you. It's about giving every room in your house to Jesus. Have you given Jesus everything? Everything, all of your life. You see, when you do that, you're no longer in control of it. (laughs) Jesus lives it for you. And that's what's really extreme. You see, it's no longer your own. Jesus commands it. And we live in partnership with him. And as the band starts to play, I just want you to close your eyes. This really is a God moment. For every single one of us here, this is a God moment. And as God continues to speak, there's a couple of responses here. A couple of responses that I want you to think of. And you may think they're extreme. But actually, actually it's the best thing that you can ever do. The most normal thing you could ever do. Have you given Jesus all of your life? Every single part of it. Can you say that? Have you done that? This is your opportunity again to do it. To hold nothing back. To give him everything. That's what God wants. Doesn't want moments. He wants a lifetime. A lifetime spent with you living it out. Him being in control. That's when you'll truly see extreme things. It's a decision to hold nothing back. So if it's you, if it's something you've been holding onto, I want you to let go. To let go and give it to God. Then there's another response here. And it may be you haven't given your life at all to God. You may have been thinking about it. You may be exploring it. But I believe God is speaking to you right now. See, God wants you. God loves you. God wants to spend, wants you to spend your lifetime with him. He doesn't want moments. He's not after moments. He's after a lifetime spent with you. If that's you this evening, there's an amazing response there. It's not extreme. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. It's letting go and it's letting God have control. I believe God's speaking and has been speaking to you for a time, for for a while maybe. And tonight is your opportunity. This is a moment probably that God has orchestrated. It's a moment for you to let go. And then that becomes a lifetime spent with him. And then the third option, the third response. 
is to live a life with God, being extreme, but letting God do that. Not being extreme on your own, being extreme with God. That requires a decision from you. You see, he will only use what he's been given. And that determines on how much you're willing to give. So again, it's about surrendering. All three are about surrendering. They're about you giving your all to God. It could be for the first time. And that's amazing. That's huge. That's awesome. And if God's speaking to you right now, I want you to do that. I want you to respond in that way. And it's simple. You just say a prayer. You just say, God, take my life. I accept Jesus Christ as my saviour. And I want to follow you. I no longer want to make decisions on my own. It's you I want to listen to. It's you I want to follow for the rest of my life. It's not extreme. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And then the rest is giving everything to God. Hold nothing back. Total surrender. That's all God wants. That's extreme. So as we head back into worship, that's the response. They're the responses I want you to go with. We're going to create a time here to worship, for you to listen to God, for you to respond in any way you want to, to whatever what God is saying to you. It's about surrender. It's about surrender. God wants that. He wants you to surrender.